0: So powerful and the power of brand, the power of building the emotions and the colors and the mystique and the value and the touch point and what do people think about when they think about you, you know, that brand media is uh, that branding lever. People see you, I see you everywhere, you know, they're, they're hearing from you. And then for the business owner, they're also connecting with you in a non-sales context. Very important because Our style at Think Media, our company, is we call ourselves farmers, not hunters.
1: Are you looking for freedom? Freedom
0: from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom, and here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome
1: to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. I got to say, guys, I am extremely excited about this episode, selfishly, because I've got a great friend, but also someone who is just a genius in the world of YouTube. Uh, Sean Cannell's on the show. He always says Sean Cannell like YouTube channel, which is amazing because it helps me remember his name. But, you know, I had a conversation with Sean probably three, four months ago. I was in Mexico City and Sean jumped on a call with me and we were talking about investing. But at the end of the call, Sean was like, he just pulled up my YouTube channel and he just started like, you know, blasting me with wisdom. And and I haven't been able to stop thinking about that. And, you know, one other thing quickly, Sean, I don't know if you even know this, but when we were at a, a Wellspring event... Uh, I was, you know, I, we, we met a a while back, but we were at an event in Phoenix and afterwards I came back and I was talking about your YouTube channel and everything. And my oldest son, Dylan said, yeah, Sean's, Sean's the guy I bought his course and everything that I've learned on YouTube, I learned from Sean. And I didn't even, I don't know if I've told you that, but you know, it's just so amazing when you have adults in your kids' lives that have made such an impact. Um, So I'm just honored, number one, that you've had that level of influence, not only on my son, but on me, because ever since that conversation in Mexico City, and we kind of touched about on this off camera, but, you know, I've just started thinking if I put the amount of energy and effort into YouTube that I've put into some of the other channels, um, I just wonder where I'd be today. So I'm really excited selfishly and obviously for the audience to unpack this conversation. Mike,
0: super grateful for your kind words and fired up to talk YouTube and thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. So I always ask four questions. We're not going to get into all four because I have a million other questions, but I do want to start with one of them, modify it a little bit. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success on YouTube in parentheses, what would that be? The one thing that has had,
0: um, that has caused the greatest success on YouTube for me is creating search based evergreen content connected to passive income streams. I'll explain what that is briefly and say that talking to your community is one of my favorite types of communities to speak with because you all understand leverage. And so in real estate and investing, uh, you understand the superpower of compound interest and you understand, you know, leverage and the Powerful thing about YouTube itself and then this particular type of content on YouTube, as you mentioned, man, if I would have been investing in YouTube, like I've been investing in Instagram, I'd be a lot further. And I agree with that because YouTube is the only platform where your content lives forever. Mm. And search based content, especially in a context of teaching investing, teaching taxes, talking about real estate and the, you know, 38 different vertical, you know, mobile homes, land. You know, agents, loan officers, investors of all kinds, and all kinds of other education. I, I originally started teaching video because I got started in video in my local church. And so what I discovered was that because YouTube was a search engine and because that it was different than every other platform, it was a content library, not a content feed. Mm-hmm. You just have an Instagram feed. People see stuff today. They don't watch it a year from now. They don't see it a year from now. Whereas I started realizing, wait a minute, if I create a video that has a much longer shelf life, it cannot just be viewed this today, next week, next month, but even years from now. But then what I discovered was, I first started teaching video, because that was my skill set, so I had these cameras and these lenses and this technology, and so I started to create videos like comparing the Canon 70 d to the Canon 70D, which is actually a search term when someone's gonna make a buying decision on YouTube, they look for that, and then I started with affiliate marketing, which was highly leveraged because although I was only making 4% um, off a transaction on Amazon.com, I wasn't doing any of the shipping. I didn't have to hire anybody. I didn't have to fire anybody. I didn't have to take the returns. I didn't have to have any kind of infrastructure or distribution or anything at all. I literally just got to create a video one time, put it on the internet. And then as people watch that video, interestingly enough, YouTube pays me. But then also Amazon pays me as people click the link and make a purchase. And maybe that's a trickle as it was. The first income I made from Amazon was $2.12 in a month. That's horrible. A lot of people wouldn't, would look at that and say, okay, I should probably ignore that and choose a different path or a different strategy. But I understanding the compound effect, I was like, if I just keep doing this and I get better at this, this last month, Amazon sent me a $20,000 check. Over a year, YouTube sends us around $500,000 from ads on our videos. And then now that I've got a much more diverse business, whether I want to sell tickets to an event, sold over a hundred thousand copies of my book, whether I want to sell a course and what thousands of students have also now experienced with us is whether they want more transactions or just more leads or grow their newsletter or whatever it is. So, so that is a long explanation to the answer of creating search based videos. Are they going to last forever and ever and ever? Well, maybe not, but they, I've got videos that are 10 years old that grew my channel by 50 subscribers and paid me 20 bucks and they were terrible 10 years ago too. We always start with horrible videos, you know? And so, um, it's leverage. And so search-based evergreen content on YouTube that can grow your brand, your business, your leads, your clients while you're asleep. Um, that's what I bet everything on really, and just continue to compound. And today it's created an eight figure business and 30 people on staff and quite a bit of, um, of scale to it because of really tapping into that one strategy.
1: You know, I love the comparison of the leverage because, you know, and again, my audience, we're always talking about who, not how, like, how do we, how do we hire more people for sales and mark Like, but, this whole leverage conversation and and even the searchability and I this is somewhat irrelevant but honestly I I even I've used your channel and your team um, to even set up my new setting I was having some challenges with my Sony and I was running it through um, an Elgato with a cam link and it was overheating and I just I, I started searching and you guys popped up talking about the Zv10 and how you can just directly, connect the ZV10 into a computer, and you don't need all this other stuff. And I was like, there's my solution. And then like, I'm watching your YouTube channel, like figuring out how to set it up, set the settings so that it automatically. Anyway, so such a great analogy, because as I've been kind of watching and dissecting what you guys do, I'm like trying to figure out like, how do I apply that to my own, you know, world. And so on that note, what I I just want to talk quickly about, you know, I've got a couple avatars that I want to just talk about, like Jim. He's this guy that's working for a private equity group. He wants to launch his own private equity company. And and he's kind of figuring this out. And obviously, we need to build brands. You know, this old saying of people do business with people they know, like, and trust. I mean, the shortening the life cycle of an investor is so much easier when we have a brand out there drawing attention, all of the above. You know, another guy, his name's Chris. I'm making these names up, obviously. But he's a high-paid W-2 guy been on the treadmill in his job for, you know, 10 15 years and he wants to launch his own business. And I would say kind of like the third and fourth avatar. It's this guy named John and, you know, he flips 12 homes a year. Um he keeps 3 of those as investments. He's a real estate agent and he really wants to just, you know, kind of build his brand and start coaching. And then the last person I'll say and I actually have a lot of doctors, lawyers, you know, high net worth individuals listen to the show that actually you know, want to grow their investment portfolio, and they're looking at all of this. So I just kind of want to set some context there. Because I think those are the guys that we're really talking to primarily. And I think the first three, and I think you could squash maybe a limiting belief in my mind, and maybe the audiences in the first three, I think, you know, we would say all day long, dude, YouTube can definitely like help you just build your business, build your brand. But what do you say to like, the high net worth doctor lawyer that just loves his business? we call it vertical income, he wants to build more horizontal income. How could YouTube help him?
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you don't want to build a personal brand, then you maybe shouldn't start a YouTube channel. If you don't, um, if you also don't want more money, and you've got too much, um, my email address is sean at thinkmedia.com, and you can PayPal me. if if you don't want more leads or clients or, and I think the the big formula for most YouTube channels is you've done the thing and now you actually have a desire to teach the thing because as soon as you shift into teach the thing, you actually might be able to build a bigger business than you ever even did doing the thing. Speaking to, literally of a doctor, is one of our students, Dr. Eye Health is his YouTube channel. He's an optometrist. And so he was doing the thing obviously got his degree, knew all about eyes. It was all contact lenses, uh, visual floaters, different eye diseases, how dry eyes, how to keep eye health, all this different stuff. People come to see him. He's like, okay, well, if I take my brand on YouTube or if I start building a brand on YouTube, um, is there a market for this? Well, a lot of people on earth have eyes. So there's a pretty good, like to the total addressable market's pretty big because people are looking for, um, you know, best context. Why is this happening? Um, and he started to, but he did commit to being on camera and becoming Dr. Eye health. His name's Joey. And so he started to post videos. Well, fast forward to today. I think he has 600, 700,000 subscribers. Um, he was making of course, great money as an eye doctor, but Last time I checked, which was a long time ago, he was at twenty thirty k a month just from online business rev, hiring a team, building around it, and add almost infinite scale to it because of, because of leverage, the internet, one video made one time. It's a good book. The the almanac uh, of Neville Ravakant is a famous book, right? And he talks about like four ways of leverage, and and one of those is team, and one of those might be interest. One of them's media. Like that's essentially what we're talking about. We're talking about media, and and so if if the doctor said, kind of joking, but seriously, if if it's like, well, I don't really want to like build a new thing, or um, I don't want to do work, and I know that everybody listening to this is a hustler and they like to work, but the type of work they like doing might be reviewing investment deals and doing and moving some stuff around and networking. But if you don't want to get on camera and start a show or get on Zoom and start a video podcast. Well, th- that's a big friction point. Like you literally don't want to do the main vehicle and you can scale a lot of stuff, but you can't. You're going to need to do what exactly what you're doing right now, at least have conversations with people. And I think that's the leverage point. A lot of people could start an interview show, start a a video um, podcast, which is a highly leveraged, the highest leverage uh, form of content. And we could talk about that a little bit later. So that would be, if, you've, if you're bought into that, what's waiting for you on the other side, um, this is why so many people in real estate go from, if they've had some real estate ex- success, they move into teaching real estate and they make 10x more money. That's, it's, it's not a new model. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, rich dad, poor dad, you know, obviously multiplied by every single real estate guru you know. But I think about my friend Ryan Pineda, who was flipping 100 homes a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but once he started doing content, he was like, I can make so much more money. So so much more scale, so much more impact. And he's put operators, though, in all of his other businesses. So now he has six, seven businesses. But nevertheless, it, there is that commitment. That's that commitment to say, okay, do I kind of want to go that author, speaker, content publisher? Do I want to build a media company? Do I want to create a bigger legacy? Do I want to make a bigger impact? And it's not a right or wrong answer. It's a self-awareness answer. Um, but for the doctor, That's the move. Think about some of the published doctors out there. Think about some of the people that are shaping thought leadership. Um, And a lot of times, if you write an all-time book, that's still just the tip of the iceberg. There's the media channel, the podcast to support it, basically the um, content to support it. You think about Jordan Peterson, who is just you know teaching in Toronto, and he's a psychologist, and in a way, he kind of talks about accidental success, um, but. He's just given lectures. I don't think his vision was thinking like, I'm going to scale and impact media, writes a Quora post. That kind of goes viral. They kind of turned that into a book. That book's over 5 million copies sold. But now the Daily Wire brought him on. And what is essentially Jordan Peterson's a content creator now. And he went from like the small, like teaching in a university and in colleges to being New York Times said one of the leading thought leaders on planet Earth. Are all of us going to be at that scale? Well, of course not. But the long tail of opportunity exists for everyone. You just are adding levers of scale and impact when you start tapping into media. Yeah,
1: so good. And, you know, one of one of my mentors always says you're, you know, just one relationship, one connection. You know, most people like we were talking about with like Jordan Peterson, we didn't start out this way, but I think whether it's the doctor or you know the other three avatars. Like, I, I talk to people about this all the time. And my epiphany was probably in 2018, 2019. I realized then that there's a day coming where I'm no longer gonna be the mobile home park investor guy. It's no longer about this product. Because I, when I sold my business in 2014, I often say that was the best and worst day of my life. I had spent 10 years building this plumbing, heating, construction business, and then I sell it. And my purpose and my whole identity kind of went away with it. I didn't have the awakening or the epiphany, but in like 2018, we started talking about selling our mobile home park portfolio and what that looked like in the next five years. And I started realizing, Sean, I'm like, there's a day coming round two where I'm no longer, you know, Mike, the mobile home park guy. And I started thinking, I heard Gary Vee say this. He said, you know, there's a day coming where every single business owner, just like you have an accounting team, sales team, blah, 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 operations team, people in the field, you're gonna have a media team on site or you're going to get left behind. And that was like a moment for me. And, you know, I I didn't immediately act on it. But I think we're still early on this. And even with like, I think there's so many brick and mortar business types, you know, like the flipper guy and, and the guy that's, you know, wanting to launch his private equity group. And we just, I hear this so much. I don't want to be an influencer. There's such a negative connotation to people that are like, you know, just building their brand. And that's the only reason they're doing it. When I had my plumbing and heating company, the marketing was yellow pages. I'm kind of dating myself here, but it was yellow pages billboard. Honestly, one of our greatest leads was our wrapped vehicles, and so these were like these were like radio. We bought radio ads. We bought TV spots. That is a completely different. When you talk about media, and this is like your wheelhouse, your company's think media. I think there's this mindset block with brick and mortar. You know. And maybe it's a generational gap thing too, but just like I had my awakening and I realized if I don't make this shift to where the eyeballs are today, I'm gonna get left behind. And so, you know, if you would just kind of address that and maybe maybe speak to that on people that are have not yet realized that that this whole move is happening with or without them.
0: In my response to this question is a couple of stories. One, um, my wife, Sonia, and I love going to Leavenworth, Washington. It's a small Bavarian town, a couple hours away from Seattle, Washington. You drive over the mountains. In winter, they do a whole Christmas lighting. It's just enchanting. It's magical. Um, and you get some hot cocoa and walk the streets and Christmas shopping. Well, we've been there a lot. Like, we pretty much go annually. It's kind of a vibe during Oktoberfest, summer. All, uh, it's kind of a different vibe year-round. But it is a tourist town, no doubt. And so you've got all kinds of, as everyone listening can imagine, these shops with kind of a little cottage clothes and a women's vibe shop and then like kind of a souvenir thing or mountaineering shop because we're in the mountains and, you know, little tchotchkes that people could purchase or art and there's wineries. So certain times we've been there though, it has been a ghost town. It is like just... Nobody there. And I often walk into these shops and someone's behind the counter, and I'm thinking they they opened up today, turned on the power, hired somebody work to work by the register and and like nobody's coming in today. you know we we pop in and we like sort of look for a second, don't buy anything and and there's a lot of waste in that moment because they're a local brick and mortar business like at the mercy of the seasonality, the foot traffic, the time of year and all that kind of stuff. And, and any brick and mortar business owner would know that a lot of times Christmas shopping alone is probably where they hopefully reach profitability. Cause if it wasn't for like that season at the end of the year, if they added, you know, every, that's what pays for the downtimes to stay open. And a lot of these shops, um, you know, a lot of they're closed. they're like, we'll Sonia's like so excited. My wife. And then we'll go down there and it's like, close. And then it's like, close on Monday, close on Tuesday. And they only open like three days a week. That's happening in restaurants right now because of staffing, all these limiting, all these different factors. Well, because when I'm walking around cheese shopping, I'm thinking, and I can't not think about business and entrepreneurship and whatnot. A lot of times these shops are two floors in this uh, cool little main strip. And on the second floor is where all the clearance is. It's like horrible up there. Nobody goes up there. And it's sort of like a cool loft attic kind of vibe. And I always go, okay, if I was this shop owner, I would uh, move not into 2023, I'd move into like, 2012, like people need to get you talk about like, you're being left behind like this is what I would have done 10 years ago. But the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago, the second best time is now, I would actually kind of shut down the upstairs, I would uh, uh, build a studio, simple, but like what we're looking at with yours, I would I would set up a way to create content, just and, and I would start a show of some kind. And that show in some of these uh, shops could be kind of like a decor discussion. It could be like you you interview, especially here, because there's all these uh, boho hat wearing, local kind of female raising their kids, kind of a faith-based town, a lot of like kind of Christians in the town. So maybe you have a conversation. Um, you start, and this is this is a big unlock here. The show could be maybe on like motherhood. Mm. The show is maybe a kind of like a women's lifestyle show. And yes, it's like brought to you by and you're sort of based there. And you also part of it could be kind of QVC based. Mm. And, and and this up, upper or, or that'd be like another type of content you start putting on the channel. And so when I shut down this up upstairs of clearance stuff, instead of just and, and focus on building out a studio, I'd also build out a little shipping department for e-commerce. -hmm. Um, and and realize that the internet exists. And not only could I create content and media, but I could also think about shipping and sending things from the shop. But here's even a deeper level is what's kind of funny is sometimes the local shop, kind of like the local bookstore, is at the mercy of thinking we have to keep the prices high because because of our margins and because of this, we can't compete with Amazon and Amazon's gonna kill the little guy. If I was that business owner, I would link to Amazon affiliate links to the books I'm talking about that actually exist in the store, They mm-hmm. people don't even live where you are. And it's probably inefficient for you. So I'd go into affiliate. I'd rather talk about the product and sell it from somewhere else and make a few bucks and they can ship it. It's two, almost two different audiences, yeah. but a lot of business owners would be insecure and fearful and they think that one business would cannibalize the other. But actually, that could be a good thing because mm-hmm. sometimes... You want to disrupt yourself out of business, if that's the case, because at least you're set up before everybody else on the street because zero people are doing this. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how I would think about it. And I would start leaning into to media. And if you're a shop owner and you already curate, we go to this one, um, we bought a fire truck. My cousins bought a fire, tr- fire truck for my son from this amazing toy shop. Kids content, toys, in like a well-lit little build a kind of train area with some mountains and some spray paint and start a kid's channel. Like you you have a toy shop, you're probably passionate about the playing with toys and whatnot, get your teenagers involved, pay them a few bucks or cut them in on what the channel will be when the monetization. So it's just kind of a different way of thinking. And that's how I think that a brick and mortar business could, could, uh, could jump into this again. During the pandemic, I think about Canlis, kind of unrelated to YouTube, but more into social media and just thinking outside of the box. It's one of the top restaurants in Seattle and, um, you know, four-star, five-star restaurant or whatever. It's just an amazing place. Really cool story with the founder. And when restaurants got shut down, most restaurants just waited. They didn't know what to do. Canlis launched three businesses. They launched a drive-up um, Breakfast business where you would pick up like a, a bagel with the egg and cheese on it, which was also different than their normal menu. They got outside of the ego and sometimes the myopic perspective that can happen when we're just kind of doing the thing and we don't really want to disrupt ourselves and innovate and think outside of the box. So they launched that. They launched a lunch bag uh um uh drive drive up for lunch. And then at night they they launched a pickup you know, mainly kind of ready meal that you take home. And they they always had live piano player. That's really great at piano. When you come into the restaurant, they live stream that. So you had live music from their piano player, you pick up a bottle of wine, you pick up the food that you take home, and you would just basically take canless home. And then they use social media to spread the word they, had, they built kind of hype and momentum around it, like, okay, there's only you know, such and such remaining, all right, we're all sold out at breakfast, we'll see you at lunch. And they innovated and adapted when they were forced to shut down through the p- pandemic. So to your point about this being not just a good idea, but potentially insurance, like, you know, to be prepared for what's coming or how your business would get disrupted. And the final point I would make is that again, for most local businesses, if you started a YouTube channel, would, do I think that that would actually like grow your local business locally? In most cases, no, especially in the short term. Of course, paid ads, just like any other platform, you could advertise within a zip code and bring awareness, so that's sort of a different conversation. But what a local business should do is take the inefficiency of their business or take an aspect of their business and launch a worldwide media company that in a way is an entirely separate strategy, but long term, eventually everyone's coming to Leavenworth, Washington. Once you've got 166,000 subscribers, it's like, Oh my gosh. I've been listening to your guys's, you know, women's living podcast. You guys are so cool. You're shop owners. We, we, we actually found out about Leavenworth and decided to finally visit seven and a half years later because we wanted to meet you guys. And, and one final story is Mindy Lothorn from the Wellspring um you know started we were talking and she wanted to do something like this she felt like she wanted to have conversation with specifically other moms um and she is the owner of a brick and mortar wedding dress shop in Utah that is established they got square foot square footage it's kind of a whole vibe that mainly uh young brides coming to get married uh, it's a whole vibe. They, you know, treat them really nice. Their social media is pretty good. They're doing vertical video and whatnot. But I was like, you need to start your show. Mm-hmm. And her shop is called Try Something New. Her show is going to be called Try Something New. And I also was like, what's the legacy? You, She goes, I kind of feel like a big sister already. I'm uh, two to young brides getting married. And while they're coming, we have that touch point And they kind of, you know, they're sort of a, sometimes a mentor. They kind of look up to me. And I was like, why aren't you thinking about the lifetime customer journey? Why aren't you thinking about the lifetime of mentorship? Why aren't you thinking about the lifetime of discipleship of if somebody not only comes to the shop, but listens to your show, at, directed at women, faith-based perspective, how do you build a great life? Also, the dress and the wedding is a temporary transaction, ultimately, because mm-hmm. to make that thing last, it's gonna be a lot more than a dress and a nice wedding, as anybody that is married knows that 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 marriage is hard. So what if so when you now have this vehicle of just ongoing content and touch points and no like and trust and eventually maybe their daughters you go real legacy will will come back and like that's the place where we we um you know get our dresses and that's where we built our community and all our bridesmaids and i think they've got you know the groom and everything else too. And so she took action and dedicated uh, some square footage of their brick and mortar to building a studio and it's behind glass. And what's interesting about that is because people can come in and they can maybe see if someone people visit a local entrepreneur, a local mom, a local pastor, a local whatever comes on the show. People are like, this is so cool. and, And start building the brand of the show. And again, I think the big thing was that she crossed the mental mindset of, this is something I do actually want to do. I mean, that's a big one at first, you know, because yeah. by the way, I'm pretty sure her business, her and her husband, you know, with investments and with how good the business is doing everything else, like finances aren't like the biggest challenge right now. You know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. about to go, they're going to be okay. So so I think it is also kind of the law of sacrifice. It's biting the bullet that like, it's going to be tough. Like you, you got to kind of want to at least know. And I would argue if you're listening to this, you should want to commit to this for at least three years mm. because it, it, it doesn't happen fast. Yeah. And it doesn't, three years could also make a significant impact and maybe you choose to shut it down. But I wouldn't even start it if at least you can't accept the fact that great things take time no matter what it is. Like nobody builds a world-class business in less than three years. By three years, it's probably not world class. That's just the time you reach profitability. <laughs> like so, so starting the media company. But she's like, yeah, I know this is something I want to do. I want a bigger impact. I want bigger legacy. I want the conversation to last last longer than the dress transaction. I actually am thinking about how could I be a part of these brides' lives. How could I also do something I love to do? How could I have awesome conversations with cool people? Um, starting a video podcast, and then how can I multiply that? But then. Fast forward and I know I'm I'm putting a lot out there, but when you also look on the other side of not just three years, but like 10 years later, now AE wants to do a show because you've been doing this like startup podcast. There's a business. What? Tell us more about this. Now they want to come to Leavenworth because wait a minute, this is how you guys adapted and pivoted and started using social media and YouTube. Now you've launched your own product line and reinvested. Now you're shipping e-commerce all around the world. Now you started some kind of membership, monthly membership type of thing. And so maybe a $10 million business goes to $100 million because again of leveraging media. And so that's kind of what I would say to, to, uh, to small business owners, kind of three stories, three, one hypothetical, one true, and just different ways of thinking about how absolutely you could lean into media and pivot in a 2023 world and beyond.
1: Yeah, and I agree, man. Um, you know, I, I think we should all just be pausing and like, what's that upper room space that we need to move into? And, you know, on the um, on the, the the dress shop with Mindy, um, you know, Kara and I were, we we know them and as well through the Wellspring and uh, Dylan and Hannah, my future daughter-in-law are getting married and Kara was like, we should go to Colorado Springs and go to Mindy's store. And and the fact that, so Hannah then was like, oh yeah, I've been following her on Instagram and can see all of her stuff. So this is like a real world, you know, situation where if if Kara had said that to Hannah, let's go take a trip and go dress shopping, get on an airplane, grab this, you know, the mom and the sister and Kara and, and my daughter and travel to Colorado Springs and go dress shopping, like without any context, Hannah would be like, why would we do that? But the fact that you know Mindy has done a great job with her YouTube channel, Instagram, it's like the way she's doing it in the show, Hannah had already seen her stuff and has been following it and was like, yeah, this looks fun. But if that hadn't been out there, if Mindy hadn't been listening to you and putting that information out there, the Hannahs of the world would probably be like, why would we go to Colorado Springs to do that? Doesn't make any sense. So
0: powerful and the power of brand, the power of building the emotions and the colors and the mystique and the value and the touch point. And what do people think about when they think about you? You know, that brand media is uh, that branding lever. People see you. I see you everywhere. You know, they're, they're hearing from you. And then for the business owner, they're also connecting with you in a non-sales context. Very important because our style at Think Media, our company, is we call ourselves farmers, not hunters. Um, some of, And that's our approach to sales. Some people in sales, uh, you know, it's a lot more of an aggressive approach, like hammer, hammer, close, 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 which is a certain style. We've learned, especially when it comes to content, we use a very sophisticated software called Wicked Reports that can track as we meet people on the internet. Um, they may come in through an opt-in to watch a class Like 99% of people watching this, like a free webinar, they don't watch it because they're too busy. You know, they're too busy. Like they want to, they watch the first five minutes, they get busy. So, like you got to kind of know in modern marketing. Like again, just because someone signs up, that's why we follow up multiple times. Someone, it's totally true. How many leads go cold? So we get a lead. We see like okay, they signed up for a class, they didn't watch it. We also then see that they interacted for social media over the next couple months. Then they sign up for one of our three day challenges. Actually consumed it didn't buy anything. Six, seven, eight months later, they go through it again. They go through the same thing that's like the same information, but it might seem very obvious to me. But for somebody, else, it's like a fire hose thinking about all this stuff. So they go through it again. Or they're also financial circumstances have shifted, or they've just been in the consideration phase of research and whatnot. And so things have happened in their life that now they're actually in the clarity personally that this is something they want to do. And so they, make the purchase. And so then we can look in this. It's so cool. we look in wicked reports and we actually can look at the customer journey of one person and see that modern marketing and I think with Google did a lot on this, um, modern marketing, there used to be the law of seven in marketing. Like you need seven touch points to actually convert a leader, convert a sale. It's such an outdated number that it's laughable. It's not like seven, it's like 70. And mm-hmm. when it comes to like a woman buying a minivan, think with Google, it's like 700, it's all the Google searches, the comparisons, they watch two YouTube videos, they go back, they they go on Edmonds, they look at the used car price, and then they finally buy the Toyota Sienna in a baby blue color, the one that's raised and has the rack and the moonroof. Like there's a lot of research that can happen, and so the power of content is also realizing that if someone is gonna invest with you, right, there's so much to even just getting to know you and kind of hang out, and and a podcast, a video podcast, and a YouTube channel is the best way to do that because they start seeing, you know, what you're talking about, a little bit of your values come through. They start seeing what you value. They hear stories about your family, and you, you know, they hear all that kind of stuff. It, as Gary Vee often says, it's small small town rules. Mm-hmm. It actually, even though we're on a big internet, it's still small town rules where you do want to know. Can I trust that person? Can I look them in the eye? Even if I'm only looking them in the eye on the internet, hearing their voice, knowing what they value, seeing their track record, hearing different stories, and then also seeing the compound value that they're adding to your life. The cool thing about what Mindy's doing is you wanna find a vehicle. If possible, you could do something very practical where you're just like teaching one thing on your YouTube channel Um, but that's great. The challenge with it is a lot of times people will learn for seasons, they'll learn the one thing and then they won't follow you any longer. Mm -hmm. Fine. But you're just aware of that. The flip side is what does it look like to actually follow somebody for life? Is that possible? And being from ministry world and church world, it's very possible when you start thinking about like, oh yeah, I've been listening to like this person's business bible study for 22 years. I've been listening to Jordan Peterson, I've been whoever, you know. And if it's also something that's kind of like an evolution or or the lifespan of how someone listens could be longer. A lot of people listen to Joe Rogan just cuz very variety content. He's the center of that universe, talking to comedians, talking to politicians, talking to people on the left and the right, talking to people, but it's like the Joe Rogan show and so having kind of a show is the greatest asset in the modern world, because now people are just coming along, getting value on their commute, getting value while they're working out. And then whenever you launch something or launch something with somebody else in a JV affiliate relationship or partner up with somebody, you just have people paying attention, but also people paying attention that that know you, that, that have been growing in trust with you. And then, of course, stewarding that trust with the audience is everything, because you know, a reputation could take 25 years to build and five years to, to destroy. And of course, we all can make mistakes, but being very thoughtful that and very selective of, if you will, what we promote or what we pass along to our audience. But the person who can build and steward a legacy, it's the Oprah effect. Any book Oprah said was like on her book thing was a best instant bestseller because of the Oprah effect. But that also, for oh, Oprah is a unicorn and unrelatable. But yeah, I mean, probably true but also look at the level of hustle and work and years and decades it took to build that brand. And again, every single one of us, I do believe this, can do this, and at the small scale, it's worth it. You might only have 55 listeners to your video podcast peak, but also if those 55 listeners are all worth $100 million because the reason they listen to you is because the type of information you're sharing is a little niche podcast that nobody else can even understand. And and that's on, you know, then ultimately you're on the journey together and, and a YouTube channel, video, I've said it a lot, video podcasting simply mean that turn on Zoom just like we are, build out a studio so that you can put up the video, you can also put up the audio and then you can chop it up and also leverage every other social media platform because you're able to cut out clips and have real leverage with your content.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and I've said so long, like, it's impossible to steer a parked car. Like, I think there's so many people that want to do what you're saying, but they're like sitting in the driver's seat. It's in park and you just can't adjust. And so, you know, the one thing that I've realized is like, just get started because then you can find the think medias along the way. You can adjust as you learn and realize what's working and not working. But, you know, as you're saying all that, too, there's, I had Keith Weinhold who has this podcast um, that, I don't know, he's been doing it since like 2011, 2012. And I've learned so much from him. It's get rich education. And as I was talking to him, he's an introvert. He's like this extreme introvert. And I I listened to his podcast for like three or four years before I actually met him. Karen, and I've had, you know, multiple lunches and spent a lot of time with him. And you can tell like when you're sitting with him, you can tell he's an introvert. But the thing that he always talked about is like, this gave him the platform to share his truth. And there's so many people that are like, well, like even what you're talking about, like with Oprah and, you know, they look at a Sean sometimes or a Mike and they're like, well, yeah, but these guys are just like, you know, charismatic and whatever. It Keith Weinhold is an extreme introvert. And I've realized this too, there's nothing more uncomfortable for me. And I've learned to push through this, but walk into a room of a hundred people where I don't know anybody and over in the corner is three guys. And I like kind of edge my way in And I'm like, hey, guys, sorry to interrupt, but not really, because I need to interrupt. It's just so uncomfortable. And the thing that I realized is like, the more you build your brand and remain authentic to who you are, I think that's a really, Keith and I were talking about this, that's like a really important point. If you show up authentically on your channel, whatever it is that you're putting out there, it makes those relationships, you said earlier, you know, being able to spend an hour with a Sean Cannell. Like, this is one of the main reasons why I love podcasting. because. I get to spend an hour with people every single week that I would probably never spend an hour with. And it opens up so many avenues, whether you know you want to raise capital, whether you want more deal flow, whether you're a real estate agent, whether you want to produce content, it doesn't really matter. There was a guy that walked into my living room. We, Karen and I did a couples event um, last November and he listens to every single episode. His name's Rich, that's his actual name. He's probably listening to this, but he walked in the front door and he said, you know, as we started talking, he's like, Mike, you don't have any idea who I am. I have listened to your podcast since episode one, and I just feel like I know you. And I was like, this is really weird because I'm on like episode 300. The guy has never reached out to me, he's never commented on a post, but he shows up in my living room from Indiana to Austin, Texas to spend a weekend with Kara and I. So finally, after three years and listening to every single episode, we finally gave some offering that he bid on. And since then, He's joined our, he literally signed up for a couple's trip to Cabo San Lucas that we're doing in September yesterday. That's like $12,500. They've bought every single thing since then. But my point in all of this, and I'll throw it back to you, is like, you know, you just don't, those 70 impressions, like every single episode for twice a week, for three years before he showed up in my living room. But like, I was consistent.
0: And I'm so glad you shared that story because that I think the three years happens to be a magical number coming up in this conversation in the fact that it just took so much time. You were consistent, but also like that real relationship can bloom not just over three weeks, but over three years. Um, so someone really gets to know you and decides that they would want to go to Cabo with you because by that time, they have a pretty good idea, you know? And And by that time with that much content, like it's one thing like, can I trust this person's vibe or where they're coming from? like multiplied over enough time, you're like, you pretty much know what you're going to get. And so um, I I, not, I did believe 100% in authenticity. And what's interesting is I read a book uh, when I was in a PR position for a church. PR sounds kind of funny, but it's more of a communications, but I was studying PR. And there's a book called Radical Transparency. And it was also just a kind of about like, everyone's wants privacy. Fine, you probably need to Get off the grid, you know, disconnect, stop using a phone because we're just kind of probably living in a world that's not going to have privacy. Um, And in radical transparency, it was sort of this idea that like we just have to accept the fact that who we are is who we are and everything's going to be on the internet. So the real thing is rather than being a person that needs to hide anything, is actually just being a person who's okay to have everything exposed. Well, when that's true and someone sees it all and they see the vulnerability and the authenticity, you become a real easy person to do business with as they get to know you over the years. And so that's really cool. And I also love that what you mentioned. Yeah, just for, even if it didn't grow, just for the friendships that build, the conversations that you have, the discipline of connecting with smart, diverse people from different backgrounds, you it'll create so much serendipity. One of my favorite books is called Business Secrets from the Bible. It's written by a rabbi, Daniel Rabbi Lapin, who is, uh studies kind of the Hebrew language, language and, What they notice is that everybody would agree, no matter how how it makes them feel, that Jewish people have been historically and consistently financially successful. The unique thing is uh, not because of, um, you know, you can't, you could learn some stuff from Donald Trump, but none of us inherited thousands of apartments. He did well with it, but most of us didn't inherit thousands of apartments. You could learn some stuff from Bill Gates but you weren't born at the right time at the university when technology was coming out with his mentality. So you miss the timing and you may not be a genius or you may not have the IQ. So Daniel Rabbi Lapin's argument is, if you look at the Jewish people, different IQs, different businesses, it's different, you don't have to be super smart You don't have to just be in tech at the right time. You don't have to just be at uh, all these different things. It it has been proven now over hundreds and thousands of years. That was a long story to make one point from the book. And that is that your wealth will be directly correlated to the amount of friends you have.
1: Mm, That's so good. By the way, one of my favorite books, thou shalt prosper by Daniel lap. I mean, I just love this. It's probably
0: some of the overlap. The Bible business secrets from the Bible is the second one. And, and, and that's, when you start thinking about scaling, and when I think about friendship is, again, you know, your Facebook friends may or may not be your actual friends, but we're, we're talking about, and these aren't going to be the same people that maybe come to your funeral or come to Thanksgiving. But if somebody's listening to your podcast for an hour a week for three years, and I know that's also one way, at least at the time, until you're hanging out in Cabo, but that's depth. Mm-hmm. They're probably listening to you more than they're listening to their parents. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're talking, they literally have you talking to them more like, dude, you need to call your mom. He hasn't-, hasn't called his mom in a while. Like, you know, he's not talking to her for an hour a week or maybe he is, but you get the idea. That's just so much uh, of depth and trust. And the- and then you're also top of mind because of all of that. So what, well, what's it going to lead to in this moment? If you're looking for short-term transactions, always a losing business strategy, as we agree, if you're trying to just close and rush and, you're just blowing past people. But if you have that more farmer mentality where I'm just trying to cultivate good relationships, I'm just trying to maintain and stay solid with strong character. I'm just trying to have integrity in my business practices. And I'm also just trying to strategically and wisely pivot and adapt to changing things. Like, shoot, you and I, we, we've we done Wellspring. I've looked at your investment. I haven't jumped in yet. I just saw your another thing with the 12%. I hit with an ad maybe, or maybe it was just on your stories. Thought about it again because I follow you on social media. And maybe we do that. But maybe in 18 months, you and I are, we're like, hey, because you're doing this thing and I've got this thing, let's actually like team up and like do an event in person. And let's, you know, we'll do it in San Diego. You know what I mean? Or like, Mm -hmm. let's create a physical product together because of friendship growing over time your wealth is directly correlated to the amount of people you know and the amount of people that know you back to why it's so powerful to create media and not just haphazardly or just trying to get, you know, of course, shallow impressions dancing on TikTok. Substantive, meaningful relationships through long-form content like's happening right here.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so true, too. And and even though you you kind of brought this up, and people would say that, you know, you can't build deep relationships virtually. I, there's a guy named Brooks McDonald that is actually in the Wellspring. He's coming to Ojai. I've never actually met him. Him and I only have a relationship virtually, but we talk all the time. And so I'm like, I, I don't agree with a lot of the conversations that, you know, we're losing you know, the intimate connection with people. And and even if there's a level of truth that you can't go as deep, when I actually finally meet Brooks, we're gonna go so much deeper, so much faster. And and so I love that you bring all that up. So I wanna be cognizant of your time. We're like literally um, five minutes from the top of the hour here. But I have, you you brought up a guy a while back, um, uh, one rental at a time. And you were talking about how, you know, he doesn't really over edit all this stuff. And I think this is valuable for my audience, and and I'll I'll throw this back at you with maybe like a caveat question: quality versus quantity. And I think so many people don't want to get started because they want to figure everything out before they get going. But somewhere in the middle of all that, can you kind of tell me about one rental at a time? And then you know, for somebody that's getting started or even they're far into it, do we focus on quality or quantity?
0: Okay, I'll be I'll be brief with a three part answer. <laughs> part one one rental at a time, Michael Zuber. So Michael Zuber, uh, had a degree in finance, was working in the corporate world, invested his, uh, savings and money that he could take from his salary into one rental at a time, expert in single family. Um, and is very self-aware that that's the thing he's done. And, um, compared to, I'm sure people listen to this, all kind of apartment buildings and syndications and at scale, all kinds of different stuff. He really is just owned and crushed his world and retired at a young age and was able to went all in on his YouTube channel. When you said he doesn't over edit his videos, even that was an overstatement. He doesn't edit his videos and at it, he has conversations. He uses Zoom. So here we are. And everybody listening to this knows how to use Zoom throw up a webcam, get a USB microphone like this. And, um, you know, he has conversations. He does the daily financial news. He built it off of his habit. He wakes up, reads articles for about 90 minutes. And he did that before YouTube. What he realized was like, if I, all this reading that I already do, this is kind of an unlock for like, what should your YouTube channel be about? What you already research, love and learn, what you already are passionate about, He then just does a 10-minute show where he's like, welcome to the daily financial news. Here's five things you need to know today. He'll do it in front of a whiteboard or he'll do it on the road if he's traveling. And he just looks at the notes he's taken, summarizes it. And by the way, it's my news source because he's super smart, really good at finance, filters through all this information. I'm not trying to listen to a lot of the news source out there or the hype or the ads or anything else. And he hits go on live stream and turns it off. And then the rest of his videos is he has conversations and he built up a network of millionaires. And what's really fascinating is he um, takes an hour, like I'm one of his guests, and we'll talk about three things, about 10 to 20 minutes each, start, stop, start, stop, you know what you're about to talk about. And there's the title of the YouTube video, there's the topic. Some people are reoccurring guests talking about the Vegas market or the Seattle market or the stock market. And he's just putting out all that type of content his particular strategy is not the only strategy. He's uploaded 11,000 videos. It's it's crazy how many uploads he does, but it's a very simple system. He's got a couple, he's got someone helping him with fun thumbnails, an admin assistant helping him do all of that. So he just jumps on and does what he loves, talks to people, does the financial news. Um, but what's also wild is he made an extra $80,000 this last year from just the ads on his videos. Um, he's making about 400 grand a year from that media brand. Um, and he's got his real estate portfolio and then it's still just building that up as he, as he wants. And, um, but this is also an impact thing and a passion thing for him. And so I think that you could check out the channel one rental at a time. That's kind of thing one. And I think that that's something to learn from In answer to quality versus quantity. I think thing two is in education, content, which is what you and probably everybody listening to this would do. It's what I do. It's really about the content value, not the production value. And that's why I think his strategy works at one rental at a time, because the reason we listen to it, what does matter your actual experience, the stories you tell, the education you've gained, the lessons you've learned, the frameworks you can teach. It's much more of a cerebral Um, type of content, as is podcasting, you think about production value, you just want a good mic, really. And uh, it's about the actual conversation itself. So in education, quantity, because if you get enough things out there, and he's also by far, he's playing the quantity game. But the last thing three that I would summarize is a a really cool framework from Alex Hermozzi that I kind of lived and then I realized he explained it the best. Phase one, it's quantity no matter who you are, because you're just finding out your voice. You're seeing what sticks. So it's do as many videos as you can. Don't overthink the results. And also then you get feedback. Because once you've uploaded 40 videos, you go, okay, well, four of those got 10 times more views than the other ones. What can I learn about those topics? What can I learn about? Should I have that guest on again? Like, what can I learn? So phase one is always quantity. Phase two is quality. Now it's actually let's refine the chaos. Let's double down on the three or four topics that really resonated. Let me think about how I can improve things. I've noticed how much I say, um, I've noticed all of this. You don't want to, I know, I'm sure most of us are overly stressed. I'm not great at communicating. It's It's practice. It just takes time. And when, and then if you listen and watch your, your stuff back, which I know you're busy, but you want to be like Kobe, who was famous for always watching his game tape, even if he won the game. Because you just wanted to study and see how you can improve next time. So um, it's like, if you ever spoke on stage, you just watch it back and you're like, well, that sucked. Great. Because now you can learn. I mean, that's, it's not experience that we, is the best teacher. It's evaluated experience. So we're evaluating the qu- the quantity, working on quality, but phase three is both. And now the Hermoses are investing around $150,000 a month in content. That's in human resources videographers, editors, specialists on every platform at ROA, way, PO, ROA positive, by the way, because of the level that he's even calculated the math of what it would cost to buy ads to get the kind of reach they're getting. And it's all organic. Um, there is the fact that it monetizes in the middle, like there's weird income streams that they kind of don't care about at acquisition.com, but the level of leads coming into the bigger play of working towards, you know, I think they're at 200 million a year right now at the portfolio companies. And so they're investing in both a lot of content, and the quality is extremely high. Why? Because that's phase three, and now you've leveraged money, a little more experience yourself. You've polished your content a little bit, but now you've hired greatness around you to amplify both quality and quantity. So those are the three phases
1: so good. And you know, I talk to people like so often, like I have to get comfortable on camera and, you know, my videos are garbage. And <laughs> I was looking back the other day at my early videos, and I saw you talking about it and you look at Gary V's, no, you want your, you got to just get started because nobody's videos are great at the beginning and nobody's watching. So that's like, the, I, I love what you just said about, you know, taking those first 40 and get feedback. But there's this idea in our head that we're going to launch and do horrible videos and everybody's going to be watching. And that's just not the truth. Like, it's it's so weird to me, but man, this has been so good. Um, any last words? And then I really, you've got an offer for the audience, which I want you to share and then just share where people can find you, because I have learned so much from you and your team at Think Media. It's shifted the way I think in the last four to six months.
0: Well, Mike, I appreciate you. And, and, you know, honestly, just really grateful to hang out with you and your community. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm find, findable everywhere on the internet. Sean Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel. If you want to, uh, connect on LinkedIn or any of the social media platforms. Um, yeah, our course Video Ranking Academy, super affordable. It will teach you not just YouTube and the skill sets around that, but what I described at the beginning. How do you make search-based content around evergreen topics and connect those to passive income streams in a very practical, um, step-by-step, easy-to-follow format? Uh, You can link it up in the show notes so people can find a link to the the course. Um, But it does make me think of whether it's Andrew, who's a real estate agent in Vegas, who just started making videos and is in the top 1% of agents because of taking his business and putting it online. Or Dr. Eye Health, as we mentioned, these are students. He had only started watching our video Think Media, uh, our free videos, and then he joined Video Ranking Academy before he knew what camera to buy, what to say, what to do, how to get on camera. He was nervous, he didn't know any of this stuff. And now he has a couple hundred thousand subscribers. So we have people that are tax professionals and investors and professionals of all kind and people that are also doing things like cooking videos and um, stuff around parenting, or they want to start a Bible study channel, all kinds of different stuff. So yeah, uh, it's called Video Ranking Academy. People can check out the link in your um, show notes so they can find that. And then if people want to check out Think Media, The first words, think the second words, media, that is our main YouTube channel. And as you mentioned, uh, all of our stuff related to like tech is free, meaning it's just free on the internet. If it's like, what camera should I buy? Or how do I start filming a video podcast or whatnot? Our course is all about the strategy and getting the views and scaling it up and monetizing uh, all our free content is will help you with the tech cameras, build a studio um, on any budget, really. So just search think media on YouTube and you can find all of that content. Super grateful. Thanks again for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. And I think, uh, I can't wait to hear the stories about, you know, how people took action on this and, and it really changed their world. Cause it has mine to be completely honest. Like you've, you've changed my, you've shifted my thinking. So thanks again. Thank you, Mike. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom,